Welcome to It's a Good Life, the podcast for entrepreneurs, where it's all about growing yourself and your business. Before we begin, I want to remind you about our ad-free option. Go to It's a Good Life on the Apple Podcast app. You'll see a banner under the logo to remove ads and unlock early access to episodes. It's just five bucks a month, and there's even a free trial. Either way, continue listening to It's a Good Life, and here's our man, Brian Buffini. Top of the morning to you, and welcome to It's a Good Life. Last month, I did a podcast called Get Out of Debt Forever, and another called Getting Rich is Easy. But the truth is, money is a topic that many households avoid. Maybe we had parents who didn't talk about it, or we're not where we want to be financially, and so the discussion gets brushed under the carpet. And yet, it's one of the chief causes of divorce and a source of pain for so many. And like most things, the solution is often right under our noses. So today, we're going to talk about the personal side of money. And to help us is someone with 20 years experience coaching our clients. She has a master's in clinical psychology and for a number of years now has been heading up our Real Strengths initiatives. Welcome to the show again. One of our favorite guests, Miss Rachel Yeaman. Rachel, welcome to the program. Thank you, Brian. So we've had great reviews with the ones we've done before. We, uh, we talk about wake up with your real strengths. We did that in January. And then we had our real communication with Rachel. And I got tons of feedback from that, uh, whether it be my daughters telling me about they've done better with their boyfriends, whether it's clients that run a business that are talking about they're doing better with their customers, with themselves. We talked about in March to sell is to serve and how ultimately our own natural gifts and abilities show up and how we sell. And today we're going to talk about this complex thing called money. You know, I've just done a couple episodes, as you know, Get Out of Debt Forever and another one called Getting Rich is Easy, which are all great structural episodes. They're here's how to get out of debt. Here's how to get rid of consumer debt. How's to get out of credit cards. Here's how to put you on a plan to invest. And money is an inanimate object. It's a very simple thing. The problem is, is that money's handled by people. Many of us grew up in homes where parents didn't talk about it. We weren't taught it in school. Many of us, it's the uh, elephant under the carpet. We know that it's featured in divorce settlements as the number one battleground for where people got divorced. It doesn't mean that the only reason they got divorced was the money. It's just that you can't avoid talking about it, and it's a massive stressor for so many people. And the big thing that's helped me and you and your team have helped me with over the last several decades is that we're all wired differently to see money differently, to have a different relationship with money, and then oftentimes, you know, just the practical common sense of interest rates and expenses and income, all of those types of things. That's not really what it's about for most people. Uh, and for those of you who don't know Rachel, maybe it's your first time listening to her, she's worked with Buffini Company for right around 20 years, which if you're looking at her, you go, did she join you when you were six? She was six years old. She's been a brilliant coach. She has a master's in clinical psychology. And now for many years, she's headed up our Real Strengths Initiative, which is kind of the secret sauce inside Buffini and Company Coaching. We acquired uh, private intellectual property about 25 years ago to help us really understand who people were, how they were wired, how they communicated. So as a coaching company, we could do a couple of things. One, pull the best out of those people, know how to communicate with them the way they needed to be communicated with, and then also to know how to not tick them off and have them go donkey-legged and stop, right, Right. So we've had 
tens and tens of almost, I presume, close to 100,000 people go through and get their profile. We've coached tens of thousands of people. We've got a great quarter of a century track record with this stuff. So it's not like some late pop psychology that we're talking about here. And you've been doing it in the real world for a long, long time. This is practical experience with people we've coached. We've helped them with their understanding who they are and how they communicate, how they interact, and help them to become more successful and more at peace. And so you were a coach on the front lines with this tool called Real Strengths for many, many years. What were some of the biggest things you learned about how people relate specifically to money as it relates to their profile? Yeah, you know, at the risk of jumping right into the heavy here at the start of today's conversation, what I learned at the core is that most of us have a lot of baggage, a lot of weight attached to money, either from, like you said, the messages we received growing up or a previous bankruptcy or, you know, the current state of our accounts, quite frankly, money tends to surface a lot of deep shame for people. Unfortunately, you know, you talk about this all the time. If our financial house is not in order, it's just a matter of time before that starts bleeding out into every other aspect of our life. And, you know, money is probably the single most hard, the single hardest topic for most people to talk about on a coaching session. What I know, though, is the only way to eradicate that shame, to drop that weight, to truly experience the financial freedom that, that you know, we work towards here in coaching is to talk about it. We've got to pull that elephant out from under the rug, lean into the discomfort, be willing to, you know, get help and get vulnerable. And, and while sitting in that discomfort with clients and that pain is heart-wrenching. Those are the conversations that are hands down the most rewarding in coaching. You know, partnering with them to take control of their finances, knowing that's going to completely change the trajectory of their life. Nothing compares to that mom telling me on a coaching session that the financial plan we built together helped her pay off the $300,000 in medical bills from her daughter's successful cancer treatment. Or the business owner that was able to take a significant portion of his financial, like pay for his nanny's college education as a bonus for taking care of their, their kids. Those are the stories that fuel today's discussion because I know that if we can use their income to fuel their version of the good life, everybody listening today can work towards that same payoff. And it's all about the backgrounds, right? I mean, you, you, you might have been raised by a spender and a saver. You know, for me, you know, we all have these records, right? My mother, you went at the end of our meals, and again, you talk about food insecurity. Our mother was like, think of the starving children in Africa. That was a very Irish thing to say. And that meant I had to eat whatever the last of the potatoes were or whatever. And the truth of the matter is most of our parents and grandparents were taught about money. And they developed whatever patterns. You know, they might have been from the Great Depression. Someone might have felt totally controlled by someone regarding money. So they become a wild spender. And you've heard this story before. Uh, you've been with me a long time. But one of the great eye-opening experiences in my life, 33 years ago. So, you know, I get married to Beverly. Uh, we had bought a little house. And after we get married, you know, a quaint old traditional couple, after the honeymoon, we move in together. And our very first time, you know, you're first in your home together and you have your little life and we go grocery shopping and it's this wonderful little experience and 
we come home and we're unpacking the groceries and everything's great, you know. And as I'm watching, Beverly's taking the brown paper bags and she's folding them up by like into these little packages. And I'm thought that's kind of interesting. So I'm not really paying attention. I'm out in the garage working later on. I come back in looking for a glass of lemonade or something. And I noticed that Beverly's taking these little packages of the brown paper bags and she stuffed them in the gap between the refrigerator and the wall. And um, I, I'd never seen anything like that, right? I, we didn't do that in our house in Dublin. So we didn't have brown paper bags in the grocery store. So I, I called to my bride and I go, hey, honey, you know, I noticed you put the pa- brown paper bags. You know, we're married today. Like we're, we're living in the same house together one day. And I said, I see you put the brown paper bags here between the fridge and the wall. You know, just so you know, there's some coils at the back of the fridge. They get kind of warm. Might give you a fire hazard. And uh, it doesn't look great. Now, most people can't tell you the day their honeymoon ended. I can tell you the day my honeymoon ended. My wife looked at me like, like I had said something unbelievably offensive. And I'm like, what the heck? And, you know, we just got married or, you know, we're honeymooners. And I'm like, if we can't talk about grocery sacks. And, and she, she, she couldn't bring herself to talk. She was so upset. So I kind of like just, I'm like, okay, that became the elephant under the carpet. Don't talk about the brown paper bags. Well, it was some months later, I go down to South Carolina. I'm with her grandma, Sally Bell Krosky. And I see that Sally Bell Krosky has in her kitchen, between her fridge and her wall, brown paper bags going back to the Civil War. And I'm like, ah. And I said, man, if we have different views on brown paper bags, how do these people view money and money problems? Or when I'm talking about budgeting, how do they view it? When I'm talking about investing, how do these different people view this stuff? You know, the story that you shared illustrates this so perfectly because it's all the messages that we've received growing up about money mixed with, you know, money is something that you just don't talk about. And then you're in this marriage where both of you are naturally wired to have different strengths. And so let's define, you know, what the pragmatics are. So such as yourself, their definition of money can tend to be tied to more tangible things, you know, homes or cars or jewelry and handbags that, you know, maintain their value, accounts, stocks, rental properties, investments. Money can tend to represent security, peace of mind, accomplishment. Whereas then we've got aesthetics. Their definition of money can look very different than that. It can be tied more to the intangibles, experiences with loved ones, memories created together, traditions shared, you know, dinners with friends, spa days, date nights, vacations, or travel with other people. For them, money tends to represent more of the enjoyment of life and the connection that it can fuel. Now, that that doesn't mean that aesthetics don't value investments or desire that peace of mind or that pragmatics aren't motivated at all by experiences. That's not what I'm saying. But you know, most humans appreciate all those things. What we're talking about today is that primary motivation, that when that primary motivation gets triggered, that's where we get donkey legged. That's where some of that emotional reactivity, that's where, you know, the wait, you don't know my childhood type of things can start to rear up. That's why it's so important to connect our strengths to that deeper why and build a financial plan accordingly and be talking about that with the people that matter most. And this has been transformational. I mean, my wife is wildly aesthetic and I'm wildly pragmatic. I mean, we are really on the end of the spectrum of intensity. You really are, yes. You're right. I mean, and yeah, here we are, 33 years married. Happily we, married. We, you know, we got a great thing going. But here's an example. We had to fight through, we used to call them our Sunday night massacres, you know. 
And in the early days of our marriage, we'd really fight through to have, we talk about our goals, we talk about our schedule, and we talk about our finance. And in the early days, the finance was just, I didn't understand. I didn't know my real strengths. And it was really, it was, I don't really understand this. So when I became aware of how I view things and then aware of how she viewed things and then her vice versa, it helps. So I'll give you an example. It's funny, you know, for me, it's, it's security and achievement. So I look at the numbers every day. Now, we're about to take a trip to Hawaii and we're bringing 20 family members to the big island with us. Now, Beverly, that is, that, like, that's how she knows we're doing well. That's the currency. Now, I, here's, I'm pragmatic. I'm really looking forward to the trip. But I look at the numbers and the process and the investments and the things that we did and the decisions that we've made and the budgeting that we've done is the reason why that trip happens. And now what happens is she's come to appreciate, I want to have this experience. Now, what do we have to do to get there? We've built this dynamic where it's both of our strengths are actually working together as opposed to working against one another. Oh, no, I'm the joy killer that goes every, every time, you know, you throw that extra food in the trash, that means one person is not coming to Hawaii with us. Okay, those used to be the tendencies. That's why a really dynamic, the aesthetic, pragmatic, I don't think we can communicate that enough. If people just got the real strengths assessment to understand that, I think that's a game changer. I think it's a marriage saver. I think it's a business saver. I, I have it in my business. I have it in my business where I'll have people sitting down in a leadership team looking at the numbers and they're looking at it from different perspectives. And I'll have people who go, you know, our mission is to impact and improve the lives of people. Well, you can go broke doing that. You can become a bankrupt, impact and improve the lives of people. I go, hey, we're a business. The financial piece is what allows us to invest back in the customers. And you have to be able to bring both things through. You need to hear the voice. It's about impact and improving the lives of people. What, what does it look like to max out that experience? Folks come to the events. How do we max out their experience? How do we delight our customers, right? That's the, that's the aesthetic part of it. And then here's the thing. How do we do it in a, in a time of escalating costs and runaway expenses and doublings of salaries over five years and all these different things? And so how do you have these two things together? Because to me, it's a balancing act, right? And so as you look at this money, it's a balancing act in your business, it's a balancing act in your home, and it's a balancing act for yourself because here's the other part of it is, you know, money can be scarring, it can be damaging, it can, like I say, divorces, bankruptcies, all these kinds of things, and it can really, really create these difficulties. And so I really want to talk to you about this, and this is where I want to shut up and listen to you and, and learn, and I really think this will help our audience, is would you say that, you know, what people's relationship with money typically is? If you talk about the average person and their relationship with money through the prism of the profile, what would you say that looks like? Yeah, you know, I, I love that we're talking about the fact that we all have this relationship with money because we have one, whether we're aware of it or not. You know, some of us have worked really hard to be in a healthy relationship with money. You know, all the things that you've talked about on your, your previous financial podcasts, you know, where we're intentional about how we use our money to build wealth and fuel our version of the good life. However, most of us start with a really unhealthy, reactive relationship with money and all these different messages that, that keep coming at us, trying to tell us how we should spend our money, how we should feel about money. Our relationship with money is directly tied 
to that aesthetic and that pragmatic definition of what money means to us, because it means different things to different people. And we have to first acknowledge that or else it is going to cause destruction. You know, money mismanagement is 41% of, of the causes of divorces. And I know you were given that, that data earlier. It will wreck you if you do not address it. And most of us, when we're feeling that weight, when we're feeling that shame, we want to avoid it. We don't want to talk about it. We want to pretend, you know, again, money means freedom of choice or enjoyment of life. It can mean stability or security or, or peace of mind. But I think the thing that we need to remember is that most of the time, we all want something very similar. It's the primary motivation for how we're approaching it. It's the story that you share about work. You know, we all want to create the way to impact and improve the lives of people, to create the good life for others. But the aesthetics are going to approach it from one direction. The pragmatics are going to approach it from a different direction. And if we're not talking about it, we are going to miss and fall into a trap where our decision-making is not determined any longer by what serves us. We're just making these reactive decisions. You know, I was working with a, um, a really strong pragmatic client he built a super successful business. You know, we'd been working together though for about six months and he was pretty resistant about giving me visibility into his company financials. Kept saying, you know, he was the only one that knew that information, but his accounts were sound. I didn't need to worry about it. Well, I mean, as you can imagine, I'm sitting here trying to coach somebody without any visibility, thinking, of, think about driving. You're in a car, you know, you're going in a direction, but the glass is foggy. There's only so much good you're going to be able to do. So we had a conversation. No feedback. Yeah, right. Exactly. You know, we had a conversation one day where I just asked him if that same resistance that he held about opening up and disclosing about his financials bled into any other aspects of his life. You know, as, as a true pragmatist, he, he really kind of wanted to think about it and, and give it some time. So Right before our next coaching session, though, I received an email from him and the subject line just said, financials, full visibility. <laughs> and in that session, we unpacked every element of his business and personal finances that day. I'm, he was right. They were super sound. But there was something about that openness and that vulnerability that is harder for some pragmatics that just broke the dam in our coaching dynamic. We were able to use his unique strengths to really make sure that money was fueling his life and do the deep work. We outlined the retirement strategy that he needed to put in place to make that happen. And in less than two years, he got his great team to keep the daily ops of the business going. He was able to work as much or as he or as little as he wanted, depending upon what was going on in that season of life for his family. He paid off his home early. He and his wife bought an RV with cash so that they were able to, you know, frequently go on these spontaneous road trips together. But what really struck me about that work together is that he said that day he opened up his books to his wife and felt this tremendous weight drop where he had been bearing the sole responsibility for their financial house. And after these series of conversations, their marriage and their relationships, the floodgates opened for deeper connection, deeper intimacy, because 
They were doing life together and talking about things that are so hard to chat about sometimes. And I, look, it wasn't a natural gift for me. I wasn't trained in it. I wasn't raised in it. I didn't get it in my high school or college education. I learned it because, oh, how can I be out of money? I still have checks. I'm spending more money than I'm making, and I don't like this tension. And when you have negative experiences in your life financially, you go to work. And I went to work on something that was such a weakness that it became an uber strength, which is, again, hope and encouragement for everybody here. I think it's very common. You're not supposed to talk about money. I think it's also, like you, you said at the very beginning, I think it can be a source of shame. I think it can be embarrassment. We had a story of a client of ours. She was doing well in her business, and the coaching really helped her jump, and then she would find a way to self-sabotage herself. And one of the reasons was because in her mind, she felt like she wasn't being a good enough housewife. Super successful realtor, but her mom was Betty Crocker. Her mom never worked outside the home. Her mom took two hours to bake a cake and this and that and the other, and she would buy a store-bought cake for her kid's birthday and just be gutted by this, you know? We carry these things. We carry our family of origin stuff. We carry how we view things. We think, and you, you mentioned it, you know, you kind of alluded to it, like we're getting all these messages. And one of the dynamics, and I shared in the, just a couple of weeks ago, last year was the single largest jump in the history of the world in regards to credit cards. And 50% of that spending happened in the last two months of the year. And so it's, the market's changed, interest rates have gone up, we're in a recession, whether people want to acknowledge it or not, you know, there's all this tightening, there's credit tightening, income's getting tighter, money's going a lot less further. I mean, in the last two years alone, it's $7,400 is how much the average person has lost out of their income based on expenses. So even if they've gotten a raise or whatever, it's $3,700 a year. Now, if people were living paycheck to paycheck two years ago, and now they're making $3,700 less every single year. Now it becomes a bigger issue. So we're keeping up with the Joneses. We're, now we're just jacking it up on credit card. And now the credit card rates have jumped to 20%. So at the time, we shouldn't be in debt. We're getting into the most amount of debt. We had money in savings when they weren't paying us anything. Now they'll pay you money to have money in savings. And so this is why most people are on the wrong end of the compounding cycle of finances. And a lot of it has to do with their relationship with money, how they view money, and their own profile to harness the power of it, but then also to withhold it. Let, let's just get into this kind of solution side of stuff because we're both coaches by nature. What would you say, you know, the healthy relationship looks like? How can people start the process to get a more healthy relationship with money? Uh, you know, I, 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 this is where strengths, you know, come into play. I love the quote by Henry Ford, money does not change people, it unmasks them. Money is this magnifier typically of what is going on inside of us under the surface, you know, and I, I think it's quite frankly, more relatable to start with more of that unhealthy relationship with money. You know, we've all found ourselves at some point in a situation that no longer serves us. It's typically wrought with negative feelings, poor self-talk, more of these like reactive thoughts and behaviors. It's that exact story that you were just sharing about the killer businesswoman who was feeling less than at home when I would argue she's operating 100% in her strengths. Her husband's able to operate 100% in his strengths now by pursuing his passion. And she's got someone in the home that is her natural strengths are to serve. And so when it comes down to 
all of this reactivity, we tend to find ourselves running away from things as opposed to, wait, what are we running toward here? That's exactly what an unhealthy relationship with money is like because we are constantly reacting to the financial stress, the pressures coming at us, the influencer culture that's all around. We're full of self-doubt or hopelessness about our current you know, state of accounts. It takes away our control. It limits what's possible. It robs us of choice. It has us running away, burying our head in the sand. You know, I coached a client who grew up in a financially unstable household, super unhealthy relationship with money that he, you know, his family experienced bankruptcy three times. And he knew this because as a little boy, they would go from living in this beautiful home, beautiful neighborhood to living in their car three times over. And, you know, when we started working together, his motivation was for his kids to never experience what he had gone through as a child. And he did that. You know, they weren't living paycheck to paycheck by any means. But when we were coaching, he was running away from the pain of his childhood. And as we started working together, we really had to reframe what that definition of money was to him, what dream he was running toward. And that was to give his kids a stable childhood where they could grow up with neighborhood kids year over year over year, where he could give his wife gifts to show her what she meant to him, where he could take the family on trips and make memories together. And we were able to create a financial plan where he paid off all the debt using the debt snowball, as you've discussed in in recent podcasts, saved six months of expenses, both at home and in business fully funded retirement, bought that beautiful home for his family to live in, paid in cash for his dream car, took his wife on an anniversary trip to Paris for their 10th wedding anniversary. This is what we're talking about. This is where I get back to that question of what is a healthy relationship with money. It's where we get to enjoy more financial peace, are intentional about our spending decisions. We control how to get out of debt, how to increase our savings, how to build that wealth. We feel less financial stress. We have more choice in how our money fuels what matters most, what we truly value, and we live that life that we want versus one that the culture or the comparison trap has dictated for us. That is powerful stuff, my dear, and we could stay on this all day. I mean, I love that, and I love that's what we do for a living. I love the fact that we're able to bring that kind of insight and information to people through this broadcast uh, medium. So it's brilliant stuff. And I, I, I love the fact that we can help people with this. I want to point out again, and I'd like you to speak to it before we sign off here. Go to itsagoodlife.com and you'll see there's two opportunities on It's a Good Life. It's very simple. We have a very simple little website that we built for you guys. It has eight categories of podcasts that we've recorded so that you can, hey, you're ready to binge, listen to some podcasts, you're going on a hike or whatever else. You want to listen to goals or business growth or your our favorite guests. We have podcasts just on money. And then below it, we have two things. We have a free business consultation so you can meet an army of people just like what Rachel Yeaman used to do years ago that caused this kind of transformation. But specifically today, what we're talking about is these real stress assessments. And uh, we have done tens and tens of thousands of profiles to break it down into this beautiful little assessment that takes about seven minutes that really gives people some powerful insight on their relationship, their communications, how they sell, how they serve, their relationship with money, their relationship with others. 
And Rachel, you were in the center of the storm in building this and making this happen and make it as simple. Talk to the folks right here. Tell me why I should get a real strengths assessment. You know, the entire intention about this assessment is to unlock what makes you great, your innate strengths. And then it tells you a little bit about who you are. And more specifically, it gives actionable steps, tips that you can put into practice immediately following listening today to today's podcast to improve your life, to improve your business. So, you know, for example, one of the things that we break down from tips when it comes to finances is in order to bring that why to life, you've got to get it visual every single day. And so if you're pragmatic and you're more wired by like the numbers and the metrics, get that visible so that you can see the incremental rise day after day or week after week, because that visual is your anchor to make better spending decisions every single day. If you're aesthetic, do a goal board. Have the experiences in front of your face so that you see that every day. That's your talisman to keep you coming back to what truly matters. And so the assessment, once you get your results, once you get the deliverable, it's wrought with different tips like that for you to be able to take action today because our hearts, our intent is for you to keep growing and keep progressing. We want to give you this information truly to impact and improve your life, but you got to take action. We have to do something to change our current state of affairs. Well, that's great stuff and you're great stuff. And I'm so thankful to have had you all these years on the journey and your gifts and all these people you've helped. And now we're helping a lot more people by bringing these real strengths, technologies and insights to people. You killed it here today, Rachel. I'm hoping to hear more from you in the future. If you'd be so good to come on again, we'd love to have you to talk about other topics. Thanks for blessing our audience today. And thanks for being our guest. Thank you, Brian. It's an honor, as always. I'm going to throw it over to Mr. Lally here, Mr. Aesthetic, as he talks a little bit about the profile and what you can do to get that assessment. 20 years ago, I started in your company. I actually started in the Real Strengths Department. It was called Heritage then. And uh, I'll be honest, you know, this Irish people were slightly skeptical. So I was I was confused. I wasn't sure what to make of it. Uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the work, but it was it was interesting. And uh, next thing I know, I'm talking to clients. Every interaction I have, someone we coached, didn't matter who it was. They raved about the profile or what's now called real strengths and the impact it had. So Turns out it's the secret sauce to understanding ourselves and also other people. So I might be aesthetic, but I've gotten my head around the pragmatic side of things, and I've definitely benefited from that. Uh, like Brian said, visit itsagoodlife.com to get your free real strengths assessment. And until next time, I'll leave you with Brian's mom, Therese.